fellas, listen, I've read a lot of fanfiction in my time, okay? Um, let me tell you. I've not approved anything my co-host is about to say. I just want that to be straight. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, the podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a wolf thing. And this week, we transcend humanity in Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2. Before we <clears throat> imprint onto an egg in someone's ovary, remember you can help us on Mortify the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. We've done it. Happy Valentine's Day to your wife, who a year ago asked me to make sure you finish this franchise. You got me. I got uh, you. You've conspired against me, and I, I am powerless to stop you. I've been twilight-pilled. Uh, this is it. I'm, I've completely come around. I'm getting a, a Stephanie Meyer tattoo uh, at the end of the month. It's going to be great. Um... Yeah, no, it's actually a very good franchise, and there's no 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 problems with it whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, that's mm-hmm. obviously a joke, but I did like Breaking Dawn's part one, Breaking's Dawn, sorry, parts <laughs> one and two. Um, they're they're probably like, aside from New Moon, I think they're my favorite two films in the franchise. They're good. I think they might have been remastered slightly for home release. I'll talk about it, but there are things I remember seeing in the theaters that I did not see in these uh, rewatches. I'm wondering if maybe you had a wildly different Twilight experience than everyone else. I mean, I had a wildly different Twilight experience in the sense that I was reading and watching the books and movies as they were coming out. I just feel like maybe you've invented this, the Edward, the um, Robert Pattinson cut in your mind, and now it's just a, a happy memory. Oh, God, that would be tragic, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about Breaking Dawn Part 1. Um, do, do you have a preference on which one you summarize? Because we can, I can do... No, whichever one you liked better. It's all yours. Um, let's, let's start with one. I'll do one. Okay. Um... So yeah, this is it. Edward and Bella, they're getting married. Uh, you know Edward Cullen. He's our hot vampire boy, played by Robin Pad- Robert Pattinson. Uh, Bella Swan, uh, soon to be Bella Cullen, uh, played by Kristen Stewart. Um, you know, they've, they're, they're our, our main couple. They've been, you know, on again, off again, um, having weird vampire troubles. There's a, a wolf love triangle somewhere with Jacob Black in here. But this is it. They're getting married. Uh, August 13th. Uh, that's, their, that's their wedding day. So... Um, Wow, I can't believe Alex, Axel, and Roxas have to share an anniversary. Uh, with <laughs> that's Edward tragic. Chicken. Actually, I think Axel's seven, isn't he? No, he's eight. Who is seven? Sykes is seven. Okay, we cannot do this. <laughs> sorry, we're the two, sorry, too much kingdom parts. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, August thirteenth—that's when they get married. Um, and like, 
I like the first part right there. They're doing stuff. Uh, Rosalie and Alice are like prepping Bella for for the wedding. Like they're trying to teach her how to walk in high heels. Um, you know, when when Bella is like crying with her parents, she's like, "Do not smudge my masterpiece. Do not, <laughs> you know, cry and get your parents hugs on on this. I weren't spent too much time on it. Um, it's very funny. Uh, it, it's fun. It's cute. Um, you know, Charlie, who is Bella's dad. And Bella's mom, whose name is... Um, oh, come on. It's half of Renesmee. It's Which Re- half? Renee. Is it Renee? It's Renee. <laughs> okay, sure. I hate Bella's mom, so I don't care. Um, she's, like, barely a character. She's an idea. I know, but, like, she's very... I Bella's mom's reaction to all of this is irresponsible. It's so um, funny. It's, it's just like, oh, my 17-year-old daughter is getting married to a boy she's known for a year. Excellent. Great. I'm going to fly out to Washington and have a totally, you know, I'm not going to ask any questions about the relationship whatsoever. I'm just going to be fully supportive. And like, listen, you should be supportive of your kids when it's responsible. I think you need to do a little bit more digging, uh, Renee, to talk about this kid that she just met and now is getting married to. Like, hey, but no, she's 100% bought in and she's just like, hey, yeah, no, I'm so happy. And Charlie's just like, I hate all of this. Sometimes the best way to support your child is to say no to them. Right, right. Listen, you you gotta, listen, sometimes being a parent means drawing a line in the sand. And this is one that I think is a very reasonable line to draw. Anyway, Charlie is, is so out of his depth. He doesn't know what to do. He's like devastated because Bella's like, her bags are packed. Like she's moving out like that night. Like it's bad. I feel terrible for Charlie throughout these two films. Charlie truly gets the short end of the stick. Uh, Fucking (laughs) another highlight of the wedding, though, uh, is, you know, who does ask questions? My friend and yours, Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. uh, She does want to know if if this is a shotgun wedding and Bella is pregante. (laughs) I mean, like a completely reasonable uh, (laughs) question to raise if two 17 year olds are getting married. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Actually, Anna Kendrick, I think you're not wrong there are a couple of moments where this movie kind of pokes um not fun but kind of uh, voices common criticisms about the the goofier parts of the story i think uh in bd2 too when the uh baby is getting named jacob is like no those names are stupid um mm-hmm. which is a common criticism at the time anyway this uh, morning, and currently uh, <laughs> by me uh, and me also yes <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, basically the wedding goes pretty good. They make out when they do the make you make us the bride bit, which um, don't do that don't at know. your wedding. It's a little you shouldn't you shouldn't, listen. I'm sure you love your partner very much. It's a little bit much. Like save that for later. Um, but yeah, it's 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 icky. I it was like it was like a one minute long make out session. I was like that's too long. Anyway, uh, the reception's cool. Uh, except for mm-hmm, there's 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 some people there's one very funny thing that happens which is Anna Kendrick is looking at their like human sized cake it is enormous and she's like oh I thought it'd be bigger uh, <laughs> which is very funny uh, just like she's obviously so upset um, there's a bunch of um, like speeches that people make uh, Edwards or Charlie's just like yeah I mean I'm a cop and I know how to use a gun so I'm not worried about their relationship at all which is like listen a cab but you know what I, Charlie I'm gonna let you abuse your power a little bit here that's fine so i think that some of these speeches because i watched these movies a couple hours ago either i walked away to heat up some soup for a second 
or this was only in your extended cut? Yes, no. Um, so my, my partner, my wife has the extended edition. So there are a couple extra scenes in here. And the, the speeches were fun. Uh, Anna Kendrick is just like, wow, I can't believe I'm not getting married to Edward. Basically, she's just like, oh, you know, it's so gl- great that Bella got married instead of me, even though I'm like the chap- captain of the cheer team and the valedictorian. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, it's obviously like a, you know, drunk lady tries to give a speech and is like, kind of shady at your wedding sort of deal. Uh, it's very funny. Um, and then Edward gives a speech to Bella, which is very stupid. Um, listen, if you are the bride or groom or whatever you want to call it, the person who's getting married, you don't have to give a speech at your own wedding. That's what other people are there for. Um, so you're welcome. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good time. Anyway, um, but the most important thing that happens is that one, there's a bunch of Alaskan we- vampires that show up and they're like, oh, there are there are werewolves here, so we gotta go. They're, one of them's mate was killed by the werewolves, right? One of them was Laurent's partner, I want to say. Mm, maybe? I I don't pay attention to the tertiary vampires. Listen, they don't matter at all, except they come up in Breaking Dawn 2. Um, right. So, like, just keep in mind there's Alaskan vampires here. One of them uh, has the power of Taser. Um, but basically, uh, Jacob actually has like takes off when he gets the invitation. Um, like he gets, he goes really up, he gets really upset and like disappears into the woods, but Edward tracked him down somehow. Um, and Jacob comes to their reception is able to, you know, say goodbye one last time. And they start talking about the honeymoon. Um, and she's like, oh, well, I'm not going to change like during the honeymoon. Cause you know, the vampiric process is like very painful. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna, I'm going to be a human while we go on our honeymoon. And he's like, wait. They don't ever say the word fuck, but like, he's like, oh, you're going to fuck while he's a vampire and you're a human. And she's like, yeah, why? And he's like, that'll kill you, dog. Uh, and she's like, no, it won't. Uh, it'll be fine. Um, and it's very funny that that's the conflict. But anyway, Jacob's like, whatever, fuck you all. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Um, he sure would like to fuck them all. Yeah, I bet that's true. Um, check out my fanfic. That's on archiveofourown.biz. Um <laughs> Anyway, the reception ends, and Bella is taken on a surprise honeymoon. Hey, another uh, wedding planning tip. You don't... You do You do have to tell your partner where you're going on your honeymoon. Um, it's real bad. F- furthermore, don't surprise your partner by going to the city where you hid for a year while you were trying to break up with them uh they go to rio de janeiro the place that edward canonically was hiding in new moon because he tried to dump bella um but then when he learned that bella quote unquote had died um he tries to kill himself uh after you know i don't know he goes to italy to kill himself which is very stupid but whatever um anyway bad bad timing all around it's a wild choice but they're not actually staying in rio they're going to the private island uh it's island it's isle uh, esme right it's named after the mom mm-hmm. um and they have a the private house there and it's great and we get the sex scene um we finally get a twilight sex scene um i'm not like a connoisseur of sex scenes or anything um i, I thought it was extremely restrained um, I mean, it's a book written by a Mormon lady in which, uh, vampirism is kind of an allegory for virginity. Um, the whole thing is like, you shouldn't fuck till you're married. That's 
kind of the whole point of the books. Um, so naturally the sex is very normy, very gentle, very restrained. Yes, a bed gets broken, but I mean, during the, listen, not to be blue, but the gentlest, slowest thrusting ever put on screen. Um, and, and then a couple of days into their fuck fest, uh, Edward shows Bella that she has like bruise fingerprints on her. Fellas, listen, I've read a lot of fan fiction in my time. Okay. Um, let me tell you. I've not approved anything my co-host is about to say. I just want that to be straight. <laughs> okay. Before let's that, just... whatever happens. Um, there is a plurality of people out there who would find getting a little banged up during sex pretty, pretty hot. Um, there are also people who are paper white like Bella that bruise easier than you think they might. Um, just to have Edward treating some light bruising as spousal abuse when I know for a fact that that's a uh, feature, not a bug for a lot of people is very funny to observe. Yes, right. Like th- that this, which is like a, a like the level, like the 101 kink zone right is like so terrifying not even a kink the right the most normal live laugh love housewife who has a subscription to hbo would get a couple of glasses in her and could tell you she'd like to get tossed around in bed a little bit more okay that is the level we are we're operating at um (laughs) this has not even entered the kink zone so right right it's a little silly and but and it does Here's the thing. I do kind of like the the sequence that comes after, which is like Bella's like, "Hey, dude, chill the fuck out. Let's bone." Oh, it's uh, hysterical. And and like she just like tries to get him to fuck her in increasingly elaborate ways, like continually coming out in lingerie, like like going to bed like with her ass up, like pressed into him, just like really, really like you know. And then like she has a dream where she beats him in chess, and then they fuck, and then she wakes up and she's sad that she's not getting railed. Um, and she and Edward's like, "Oh, why are you s- sad?" And she's like, "Well, I had a good dream about getting fucked, and I'm not getting fucked right now." And it's just, it's very funny. Aaron, you're skipping over the most important part. Okay. She had a sex dream so good she cried. She it's was a little, it's crying a little, when he woke her up. That's true. That's a little. It's a little much. Um, Virgins, man. Yeah, yeah. Listen. <sighs> As somebody who works in the field of sexual health, I can't say that, like, maybe maybe you should get more experience. Like, there, there's a lot of complicated situations. But the fact of the matter is, like, once you turn 18, maybe you should just try some stuff out before you get married. Uh, as long as you're, you know, using protection, it's all consensual and fun. Um, maybe just try some stuff out because this is a little... It's a little, little... It's a little much. It's a little much. Um, I would also like to... Okay, so... Like I said, I was viewing these movies contemporaneously as they were coming out. Um, actually, we saw Breaking Down Part 2, I'm pretty sure, very close to the release date as a group. I'll talk about Part 2 when we get to Part 2, but, like, we had... I've never had as much fun in a movie theater. Maybe for Fast 9. And I anticipate I will have just as much fun for Fast 10. Uh, but, like... I have a... I think these were remastered or I made up an alternate cut of this film in my head. I've had a conspiracy theory for the last decade that Robert Pattinson was in the edit bay for these because they were edited almost like a parody of themselves. 
And one of the things I remember is that when Bella had her little <gasps> orgasm, which is it's just a close-up on her face, just going, <gasps> you know, all right. Um, I do remember. And that's what orgasms are like. That's, yeah, that's exactly what they're as, like. They're, as far as I know. They are that tame. You look that made up. You know, no scrungles whatsoever. Uh, and uh, I do remember there being like a little bit of a glitter effect on the frame that is not there. In the version I rented on YouTube. I think you made it up your own private fan cam. Uh, <laughs> I, I... Somebody verify this. Like, somebody who saw these movies in 2011, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the most important thing that happens out of all this, like, sweet lovemaking is that um, Edward, despite being a hundred jillion years old, doesn't know how Babby is made, um, and he hasn't been using protection. So when Bella starts throwing up, he's like... What's, what what happened? What's going on? Um, and Bella's like, hey, how am I pregnant? I didn't even think that was possible. And Edward's like, I didn't think that was possible either. Anyway, um, Ed, uh, Bella's pregnant. She, they have to rush home to Carlisle's house. And they're like, okay, you have a vampire baby in you. And that's going to be complicated there are some like interesting details which is like they can't um like pierce the amniotic sac like they can't um like do any sort of ultrasound uh because of in carlisle's home obgyn office yeah also he just has all the shit in his house which is very funny but i guess he's been amassing literally hundreds of years of wealth so sure fucking whatever um it's very funny to me, but like, I do kind of like that detail that's like, oh, okay, you know, anatomically, if you're going to have a vampire baby, you're going to have some weird shit going on. Um, and like, there, there's a conversation about how like the baby is, is both like dead and alive. And that's kind of fun. Like, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, basically, the this is where the actual conflict of the film comes up because uh, Jacob comes over and he's like, hey, what happened to Bella? And and he's like, oh, Bella's weird pregnant. Like, she's been back for a month and she's already, like, into her third trimester. That's not great. Um, and because he has a psychic connection with all the wolves, they all learn of this immediately. And they're like, oh, that's an abomination. That's a monster. Um, we got to kill that thing. Uh, and so there's a mini wolf uh, um, schism. Uh, Jacob and his two friends, Leah and Seth. Seth is like, I don't know, 15, and Leah is the ex-girlfriend of the pack leader. How old do you think Seth is? 15. Oh, I was okay. just shaking my head because I love Seth so much. Seth is great. He's my favorite. Um, He's just a baby boy. I love all the wolves. The wolves kick ass. Um, but like, yeah, she and um, Seth defect to go help uh, Jacob. Um, basically, they're like, hey, the wolves are coming. They're going to uh, kill your kid. And the vampires are like, okay, well, we have to just, you know, hang out here until the baby is born, and then we'll figure something out. Um, and then there's, you know, some complications, right? Uh, the, the werewolves have, like, just laid siege. They cut off their supply lines. The the vampires can't go hunt, so they're very hungry and weak. Um, they have some... There's, like, a fun scene where Bella has to drink blood, like, like packs of uh, O-negative blood. And... Um, 
it's like J- Jacob and the whole time is like, I'm going to fucking puke. This sucks. This is gross with your you and your blood slushy. Um, but like Bella's like, mm, this is so good. My baby loves it. Um, so it's fine. Um, but it, it's like fun stuff that happens. Like the, the, the thing that I like about these films is that it isn't all plot. It is like some of these like weird downtime, like world building, like character development moments um, where it's just like, oh, what would happen if Bella and Jacob and Edward were all hanging out and, um, you know, Bella had to drink a blood slushy. Like, how would everybody react to that? Um, I mean, it's 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 if fan fiction became a novel. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's it, this is as somebody who has written some fan fiction in her time. And by her time, I mean fairly recently. Uh, you know, that's what you want to explore in fan fiction is kind of the downtime. It's what you don't see in this plot because you got to move the story along. Um, and that's, I saw like an interesting article about, um, like kind of in defense of the amount of porn in fan fiction where it's, um, it's like, uh, uh, the fandoms ascribing meaning to sex by using these pre-established relationships as like, um, kind of building block. So you, (laughs) you're kind of like adding dimensions to sex that you don't normally get out of like porn porn um but fan fiction is good is what i'm trying to get at it's it's an interesting like area to play around in uh especially if you're if you're trying to like learn how to write um Mm -hmm. because you just you're you're playing dolls with with someone else's thing but so twilight very much is the reason it's so appealing or was so appealing also in in 2008 is because this is like you know, very still like boys versus girls. Girls are like girls are from <laughs> Venus and boys are from Mars and blah 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 blah. So the markets very much believed that all girls liked these like domestic fantasies, and that's what this is selling you. It's selling you this like <laughs> pr- protracted domestic fantasy with a little bit of vampire fighting in between. Um, <laughs> which is to say, girls do like domestic fantasies, but they also like some fucking violence. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, there's another sequence here that like, I think is interesting and I'm glad they included it in, in some ways. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I think it is interesting, which is that, um, like Jacob is hungry and like they ask Rosalie to, to get him something to eat. Uh, and Rosalie, I don't know why she doesn't like Jacob. I think it's just because she's a racist, (laughs) um, but like she, um, you know, gets him food um and she gets him a hot dog and she puts it in a dog bowl and she sets it on the ground for him and she's like there you go here's your food doggy dog boy you fucking mongrel i think she does drop the m word here in a bit uh and then jacob takes a bite out of the hot dog and then throws it in the back of her head which i was like yeah that's a completely appropriate response i think that's an extended uh, edition scene okay you but didn't that see sounds this very satisfying yeah, no, because it was great. Okay, so that's why I hate Rosalie. Uh, Rosalie's mega ah, racist in these movies. <laughs> I didn't get the Rosalie racist cut. Yeah, no. I got I'll the send, Rosalie I'll... protective auntie cut. Listen, she's fine as a weird baby-obsessed lady, um, but I did get to see her be, like, a weird racist <laughs> beforehand, so that kind of took everything out of this Okay, for that me. justifies why you don't like her. <laughs> Yeah, I think it does. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that she got a hot dog thrown in her hair. Cause then, which is, which is also funny because Edward and uh, Emmett, who I think is her husband, is Boyfriend. also laughing. Yeah. Okay, they're not married. Okay, but ever, he's still, they're all laughing at her <laughs> after Jacob throws a hot dog at her, which is really good. It's like, well, what did you expect, lady? Um, it's great. Uh, 
like that's that's kind of why like there are these weird moments of levity in in, in you know, at least in the extended cut and in breaking down part two that are like like genuinely fun and interesting and like play with the the conceit in a way that i like and um that's why i, I had a lot more fun of, with these movies and certainly eclipse which is just a, a plot heavy slog um anyway uh bella has to give birth eventually the time comes um it's it goes bad you know carlisle is off like they had to do a distraction thing so um you know he is off you know hunting he's not there to help deliver the baby so it's just edward and jacob (laughs) and rosalie oh i guess rosalie's there yeah two boy geniuses and a racist here to deliver this baby um Edward has to perform a, C- a manual C-section, an oral C-section, uh, which is pretty gross. Um, it's like the only genuine moment of tension in these movies, and it's it's kind of remarkable how scary it is. I was, okay, so I'm pretty sure I covered my eyes in any other time I've seen this movie, I covered my eyes watching this. Because the, I, it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. It is gruesome. It is from Bella's point of view. So, like, you can't see what they're actually doing. But, right. like, Rosalie goes at her with what looks like a box cutter. Yeah, she has a scalpel and just, like, opens up her stomach. It's, it's, oh, no, she tries to. Or, no, she does. And then the human blood, her Bella's human blood is on the scalpel. And then she's like, oh, shit. Uh, and then I think Jacob has to, like, fight her off. Yeah, and so that's why like it's just Edward. Fighting in the other room and Edward literally rips her fucking stomach open with his teeth to pull the baby out. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then she does. And then she does die. She straight up dies. Um, but thankfully, Edward, uh, one has a syringe full of his venom, which is very funny to me to imagine, like, how Edward had to procure that, which is like, you know how to make anti-venom they have to milk snakes? He just walked around with a little cup, like, on his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did in the extended extended edition there's just like a couple minutes with him just like ah, <laughs> just leeching venom into a cup um which is very funny but then he also you know bites her body a bunch to get as much venom in her as possible she is so juiced up um but yeah it's just it funny because she's en- like all bone at this point so he's just kind of yeah. crunching on his dead wife <laughs> just like a human goldfish wife jerky uh, yeah extremely funny um so you know but like it seems like bella's dead they change her into a blue dress but they're like well i just we hope we wait and see and hope that she she turns um that meanwhile the wolves attack um and you know the wolves are wrecking them it's it's awesome i love the werewolves just owning the vampires it's it's just mayhem it's awesome i love the werewolves every single time wolves are cool i you know wolf girls i get it I, i respect that um, thanks for validating you, me friend you are you are valid thanks. um but yeah like so I, there's a point where jacob's like i'm actually going to kill the baby myself he tells that to the rest of the the wolves um and he goes to like ambush rosalie who is like who doesn't give a shit that bella's dead she's just like oh, i have a baby now this is great i'm gonna be a cool auntie and i have a baby rosalie walks into that operating room with bella's dead body and just takes the baby and walks out with no reaction. It is the funniest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, Rosalie fucking sucks. She does not give a shit about Bella at all. I hate her. Um, but yeah, no. But what happens? And this is hmm, this is a pro- one of the many problematic aspects of Twilight. Uh, she is like playing with the baby, and over Edward's sh- or over Rosalie's shoulder, Jacob sees the kid, and his wolf genes fire, and he imprints. Which, if you don't know, it means that he like they're basically soulmates. Um, I don't, 
I wish that that had not happened when she was a literal infant. I think the concept of soulmates in YA is fine. I don't think it should have happened with the baby. Yeah. It's it's a bad look. It's not great. The movie then proceeds to spend some time being like, it's not like that. But then at the end, like, Jacob does ask Edward if he should call him dad now. And there is like a weird mm-hmm. montage where you can tell he gets romantic once Renesmee yes, once matures. becomes seven, which is when she's <laughs> canonically an adult, which is not great. It, it's, I wouldn't, listen... I think that there's very few things in fiction that you should not portray, right? I think that a lot of people should, you know, be able to explore weird concepts in fiction. Um, if you're going to do your world building that's based around, if you're trying to go for like a soulmate sort of deal, you really, really should just go with the time skip. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do this with kids. It's not great. Like, I understand what you're going for, Steph, but like, as a fellow writer, you got to be so careful. Um, right. And the thing is that Jacob didn't really imprint. Jacob imprinted on the on the egg in. So, OK, OK. Uh, my wife told me about this, too. Right. She brought this up and I don't. Un- this must be a book thing because it's not in the films. What do you mean he imprinted on the egg? That's why he was in love with Bella, because as soon as Renesmee came out of her womb, one like she didn't care about being near him anymore and he didn't care about being near her they were just normal friends that weird inexplicable connection between them was gone because what jacob knew like he's biologically in in the in the world of these novels he imprinted on the egg in in her like his genes were already drawn it's fucking stupid whatever okay stupid i want to get okay before we move on to breaking down part two i want to give some flowers and my flowers are to the vfx artists because i really bought emaciated Kristen stewart she looks bad she looks yeah like awful she looks awful but it 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 doesn't stick out renesme and this is not the artist's fault this is the technology that was available at the time uh renesme looks like a, a, a medieval painting of a baby it's very uh, funny. Like it's, no one looked at a baby. They just kind of made what they thought one looked like. And her CGI is like kind of famously maligned about this film. The CGI baby is it's not good. Again, not. I, I not thought artists. it was fine. I truly did not bother me at all. It's passable. I didn't love it. Um, and like the wolves, you can tell the wolves are CGI. Like they didn't necessarily go for hyper realism with the wolves. Yeah, sure, but they're fucking wolves. Like I am so I I don't I, none of the CGI in this bothered me at all. I was completely happy with it. The baby bothered me. The wolves didn't bother me per se, but uh, I I just want to call out that like emaciated Kristen Stewart felt real. Right. Right. Uh, it's good. It, she 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 looked wild. Uh, and there's there's a moment while she's like slowly unconscious in her 2013 Charlotte Russe mini dress that every girl owned at the time. Uh, there's a moment where like like at one point Carlisle says that the baby's like kicking her ribs and like fracturing her ribs, but she's laying there on that operating table and you don't realize how flat she is until her ribs all pop back into place. Mm-hmm. wild yeah uh, this movie's gruesome <laughs> so. 
Yeah, no, I love it. I I mean, I think they're like really like listen, all the weird pregnancy shit aside, like it is kind of like a fun exploration of like what if a vampire, you know, what does a va- half vampire half human baby look like and what is the, you know, pregnancy process goes look like when it goes through that. And like it's interesting. I have to give give uh Miss Meyer props for for like going the whole hog for this. Like shout outs. Um did not shy away from the premise. So thank you for that, Steph. Um, but I think another fun thing is that like at the very end, like they zoom in the last shot of this is like a zoom in on Bella's eyes and then she opens them and they're all red. And then that's the cut to black. Like, that's awesome. Like, come on. You can't get more high drama than that. You can't. Can you imagine seeing this in the theaters? I'm sure people lost their shit. Oh, I lost my mind. It's, it's so good. It's, it's really, it's really good. All right. Uh, so I think with that, we can move on to uh, the f- fucking masterpiece that is Breaking Dawn Part 2. Um, so we open up and Bella's a vampire now. Uh, it's sick. If you remember, in this world, newborn vampires are like the strongest and like the coolest and the hottest. And that's why a couple of movies ago, there was like a newborn vampire army because they would be too strong to handle. Um she almost accident uh murks a rock climber who scrapes their knee edward stops her she goes uh eats a cougar instead uh (laughs) when she gets home she gets to hold her daughter for the first time and uh jacob is like weirdly overprotective of her and bella starts to get a little little weirded out by that she's like since when do you give a shit about my daughter you were talking shit about her a couple of days ago and uh it is at this point that all the vampires know what's coming and they clear the room. It's so funny. Like everybody gets really <laughs> uncomfortable and she's like, what's happening? And they're like, we're going to, we're going to get out for a sec. We got to go. We got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go uh, sweep the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jacob does tell her that he imprinted on her daughter and she does exactly what she should do, which is she takes him by the fucking scruff of his neck. She throws him outside. Yeah, it's... Then we get, like, the fa- the best line of the entire franchise. Which is when Jacob says, what's best for Nessie, and Bella rightfully freaks out and says, you name my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? Incredible dialogue. So fucking good. Is that in the book? Yes. Uh, that's really good. Listen. It's so good. It's really good. You have to give it up. I do. Thank you, Stephanie Meyer, for this beautiful piece of dialogue. So, you know, uh, she does hurt Seth, which, boo, 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 don't hurt Seth, don't hurt Seth. Um, And uh, after that, (laughs) uh, you know, the tension resolves and we get back into these, like, slice of life moments. Once again, even though Bella hates surprises, the Cullen family uh, surprises her and they get Edward and Bella a forest fuckhouse. I think this, this is hysterical. Is, it's really good. And they also, like, justify it in the film, which I, I, at first I was like, why don't all the other vampires have a fuckhouse? And it's revealed, like, oh, they did. This is everyone's vampire fuckhouse. Because they said, like, when um, Jasper or and uh, Al... No, it's not Jasper. It's Emmett and Rosalie, right? When they first got together, it, it took them 10 years before anybody could stand to be close to them because they were just so horny all the time. And it's just like that. That's very funny. It's so funny. And again, it's it, it's like, this is so teenage girl fantasy. 
like no realism, just a fuck house, you know? Right. But like it speaks to the priority. I saw I saw a tweet of writing advice earlier, like this weekend that was like, you know, the things that you include in your that, that are not plot relevant that are like, you know, the things that your character are thinking about the things that they talk about that are not like advancing the plot like that speaks to your priorities when you're telling a story. And this story's priorities are like exactly like you said, like teenage girl fantasy, like what if me and my boyfriend, uh, by which I mean my husband, my 18 year old husband, um, just had a house where we could bone down and complete like privacy, just do all the, the raunchiest, nastiest shit we wanted. And like, that's, that's awesome. Like this is, these films are so, you know, they're both very restrained in their like sexuality, but also completely unrestrained with the fantasy that they're going for, which is like having a, being married to your young boyfriend and getting to have all these, you know, domestic scenes. And like, that's, this is serving the audience what they want. I'm like, listen, you know, I think if you look at any of the Star Wars, not any of the, if you look at Star Wars Episode Nine, right, and Seven, right, you see the 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 pitfalls of giving your fan base too much red meat. But like, for this, for this, like, this is completely fine and it's good and I love it. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, the marriage thing too. Like, the vampirism removes the paperwork of marriage right so it removes the you're living together you're doing taxes you're raising children if you elect to have children it removes the in sickness of in sickness and in health right Right. so it is it is what marriage is in this context it is just commitment it is just somebody looking at a young girl and saying i choose you and that is the apex of like uh, fantasy marketed at girls of this era, um, and and frankly, a hallmark of, of fantasy marketed um, romantic fantasy period. Uh, go- always, uh, it's right. it's just. What if commitment. I found a guy that wasn't going to murder me and was actually pretty cool? Um, I guess in this case, it, he did originally want to murder her, but that's different. Um, he, you it's, know, it's fine. It's fine. But like, you're right. It's it's like, what if I, I could get a, a man to like settle down and like actually commit to me in like a meaningful, true, honest way. And also he wasn't just like a weird pervert in, in other ways. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I mean, like. Uh, the bar's on the floor, folks. Bar's on the floor. But that's that's also the like, uh, man, not to sing Twilight's praises too much, but like at the time, you know, teenage romance, especially like supernatural romance, the whole point is like in, in when you're when you're starting. And I think this this phenomenon might be worse now because we were only just getting into Instagram. But like when you are constantly flooded with advertisements and societal pressure that you have to be like perfect, you have to look a certain way and act a certain way and, and you know, buy certain things to be worthy of desire to have a protagonist like Bella, who's fucking nothing, end up with like... You know, the hottest guy at school, but he's also supernatural. So you get that, like, kind of entry-level monster fucker aspect of it, where it's, Mm -hmm. like, girls specifically who are already socially isolated, um, who maybe are are a little bit nerdier into, like, kind of weird shit. And and this is the beginning of of the mainstreaming of geek culture. You know what I mean? This This is the foot in the door. We'll we keep put a pin in that because I want to talk about that with the fight scene also. Oh, great. I think I think this is all related to like the the changing of the eras, like when you know the Obama presidency you know finally ends and we like we'll we'll talk we'll get there we'll get there. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, I love, I love name dropping Obama <laughs> in her bringing. Listen, talk. Barack, o- Barack Obama knows what happened. He listen. The Twilight fans really came out for him in 2012. Is That's, all I'll say. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> were we even old enough to vote? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um. So yeah, they're in the fuck house. Uh, they plan on telling Charlie that Bella got sick and died. Um, but instead Jacob chooses to remedy this, uh, because he realizes that if Bella quote unquote dies, they have to leave town, which means Renesmee leaves town. Jacob performs a striptease for Charlie and turns it's into really, a wolf. It's really good. It's really funny because, like, one, I'm so grateful that somebody finally clued Charlie into all the fucking X-Files shit that's happening in this town. <laughs> um, like, thank you. Finally, somebody can just be normal about Charlie. Um, but two, he does it in the funniest way, which is he's very slowly. Like, first he takes off. He's like, Charlie, you're going to see some things. That's, it's going to explain everything. But I got to do something weird for you. And Charlie's like, please put your clothes back on. I am a cop and you are a minor, like, sir. <laughs> he, like, very slowly takes off his shirt, then his shoes, then his pants, and then then his, his whole hog is out. And Charlie's just like, I can't believe this is the day I'm having. And then he turns into a wolf. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's just, it's hysterical. And then, you know, X-Files is such a good way to, oh, I would watch the shit out of, like, an X-Files spinoff series with Charlie please that's all i want is like him and him and renezme solving fantasy <laughs> crimes around forks is all i want him and his his, his goddaughter uh, his marketing minute. there it is oh my christ we've done a marketing minute in the middle <laughs> in the middle of the show oops there it is uh so uh you know bella says she can't tell t- uh, what, what charlie comes over after this right he, jacob is like hey by the way charlie's on his way bella another hysterical scene in this movie is bella getting human training which is like how do you consciously act like a human so the humans don't look at you standing way too still um you know, she has to shrug her shoulders, blink three times a minute. It's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. silly. And, and she looks like an alien even more when she's trying to be normal. And Charlie immediately is like, hey, there's something wrong with you, girl. <laughs> Case you should have gotten some sort of award for this performance. I genuinely loved every minute of it. Uh, I think he does a great job, like, portraying a dad who, like, is trying to be supportive, but also is, like, fully overwhelmed by the situation. Like, he does, he does great. Yeah, and uh, then Case you on top of that, like, she's crushing it in these films like she mm-hmm. she finally gets lines is the thing <laughs> that's true like mm-hmm. i don't know how many choices bella makes in these films at all i still don't know that to she is an active pro- that's yes, the first right. one really that's one one is to fuck and keep baby the second is to i don't think she makes a choice in the second one but mm, listen i am far i am i have given up the fact that that bella is not going to be an active protagonist it's it's fine it's, fine. it's totally fine well because she's standing um, she's a stand-in for the audience Right, exactly. Um, Billy Burke. I just want to shout out the actor's name, Billy Burke. Uh, you are a gem, and I love you. Uh, shout out Billy Burke. Um, so, uh, yes. So Charlie, at this point, finally comes over, uh, and, you know, they have this scene where, where they reconnect. And you can tell Bella's, like, relieved to have him in her life and not have to pretend she's dead. But mm-hmm. now, uh, the baby is... Uh, Aging quickly. So Bella and Edward end up with this weird vampire seven-year-old that they have to take care of. And one day, while this kid does like a Marvel jump into the air, uh, they see Irina, who's one of their cousins from Denali. What yep, she's you remember do- the Alaskan vampires? It's one of them. What she's doing down here, I don't fucking know. But she's there and she sees the kid. And of course, uh, she goes and snitches to the fucking Volturi. Um, 
This is Martin Sheen and the the basically it's the the Vatican uh, the Vat- vampire Vatican. Yes, uh, Martin Sheen. Uh, one of the Emmas. No, what's her name? Um, shit. Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning, who is once again crushing it in these films. Um, so she goes and searches to the Voltori, and they think that uh, Bella and Edward have created an immortal child. Um, AKA they turned a living child into a vampire instead of having just like birthed of uh, this weird half, uh, half vamp. Um, this is a big, uh, I think this is, yeah, it's weird. It's a big deal because like they, they give this, you know, this big flashback sequence of one time the Alaskan vampires, like mom created an immortal child. Um, and it like butchered a whole village because it's like a kid. It's got the you know power of a vampire, but like the the self control of a child. Um, and that's very interesting to me. But I didn't know. I was like, that's just what every five year old in Naruto is like. Like that's Zabuza. Like that's just what Zabuza did in that Naruto. Just- like, <laughs> um, and that's where I was like, this this film is leaning into some extremely like high fantasy like anime bullshit in in a major way that i really started i was like okay we're doing dumb shit i love this if you are somebody who watching twilight turn like open the door for you to turn into a weeb uh please leave us a voicemail at 775-573-8882 or email us at com. Uh, so in order to ensure that the whole Cullen Coven isn't wiped from the face of Washington, uh, they decide to gather witnesses who will vouch that Renesmee is still human and eats human food and is, like, totally chill and cool and not at all a danger. Um, in this, we get a bunch of different vampires. Some of them are literal Dracules, which is another moment of levity. <laughs> it's really good when everybody else is like Bella and Edward or Bella and Jacob have to like drive somewhere, and, and Jacob's like, "Hey, what's up with the action? What's up with Nosferatu back there? Like, they're fucking creepy, right?" And, and, and Bella's like, "Yes, they fucking suck. I hate them. It's really good. Like, that's what makes these films great is them just like laughing at." the other weirdo vampires yeah and then we get another american revolutionary who truly will not shut the fuck up about it he's so annoying i hate him so much uh and then also robbie malik is there um robbie malik is great he is basically the avatar from the last airbender he could control fire and water and air and shit and and earth he's he's very cool um the fucking american revolutionary vampire we introduced to him with like he attacks a man who is singing the beatles in new orleans and he's like i hated the first Amer- the british invasion and i hated the second just as much and it's and he's always like you know I, this isn't the first time i stepped to a king's rule and it's like hey bud we get it <laughs> You're old. Shut the fuck up. He's so fucking annoying. It's so funny. Um, So as these witnesses are gathering and all this stuff is happening, we learn that Bella's power is shielding, which means that she can protect people from other vampire magic, Uh, which as you write here, as we're really getting into some My Hero Academia (laughs) territory. Like, listen, the vampire superpowers haven't really come up because like Edward's superpower is being fast. Um, No, it's mind reading. Oh, I guess that's true. I, but like what Amit's, is Amit's power is just being strong right his power is I'm strong Carlisle's power is I'm a doctor <laughs> I'm sure there's actual canonical answers but like they have not been plot relevant at all um, except for I guess uh, Edward being able to read minds and Jasper I, Jasper I, can I, change the emotional tone of a room oh okay I thought it was that he um, fought under Robert E. Lee <laughs> <laughs> 
no, actually, Alice also. Okay, so I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious, but, like, it really truly becomes, like, anime shit here, where it's like, here's every vampire, and here's all of their superpowers. Like, here's Taser Girl, and the Avatar, and Dracula, <laughs> and Nosferatu. We're all here... <laughs> Here's a man with extreme Anglo Anglophobia. Um, Taser like, Girl and the Avatar might be the name of this episode. Like, it's so wild. They're just like, we're going all in on vampire superpowers, because that is ultimately, like, the actual conflict here, why the Volturi want to attack the Cullens, is so they can seize Alice because she has the ability to um, read minds. And, like, that was set up in, predict like... the future. I, predict the future, yes. Yeah. Um, you're right. Um, and that was set up in, like, New Moon, I think, right? Um, maybe Eclipse, but like, this is the thing that I would not have got if, if my wife hadn't told me. Yeah. Um, there's some, there's some anime ass lore that happens here for fucking sure. Right. Right. But anyway, like they also even have a training sequence and my wife told me the training sequence was longer in the book. Like this is extremely a thing that happens in anime. Yes. Uh, no, this is, this is absolutely some anime shit and it only gets more anime from here. So yes. Um, there Okay, please, please continue. It's, it's your review. <laughs> no, I love that you got so excited. You're about to just. I, I like it. genuinely like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bugs. So uh, at this point, the Volturi army rolls up to take on the Wolf and Vampire Alliance. So all the wolves are also here because they can't kill Renesmee because Jacob imprinted on her. And, and one interesting thing is that because all the vampires are gathering here, that sets off their genes and turns more of the people of the Quileute tribe into Native Americans, which like. Listen. It turns them into Native Americans? Uh, no, sorry. It turns them into werewolves. See, I did a racism. I'm very <laughs> sorry. Um, right, listen. I, I'm thinking of, like, listen, it's not great that it's like, okay, all people of the Native American Quayu tribe are are werewolves, and they have, like, a genetic disposition to some weird shit. Like, I don't love that. But, right, it is still, like, fully buying into the mythology, and, like, it is kind of cool that, that it's like, okay, if all the vampires are going to be here, that means that more people are getting werewolf superpowers, too. I kind of like that. Yeah, if lycanthropy wasn't tied to being native, then it would right. be more fun. Yes, I agree. Um, so, yeah, the Volturi roll up in their cool cloaks. Dakota Fanning's there. Love of my life, Michael Sheen is there. Uh, all fully buying into the bit as they should. At first, it seems like things are going well because Arrow learns that Renesmee is actually human and he he finds this very fascinating. Um, and because he wants Alice so bad, Arrow is, like, looking for any excuse to wipe them all out. Um, and then... So Alice goes to show Arrow that if he decides to attack the Cullens, uh, what's gonna happen? And this is not in the books. No. We get a incredible battle sequence. That starts with Col- er, fucking Carlisle's head getting ripped clean off. I So I knew that this was a fake out going in because I, you know, watch a lot of YouTube essays, right? But, like, I, I was talking to my wife about this, who saw this in theaters, you know, when it came out. Like, and she was telling me, I, like, the theater was, like, dead silent. Like, everybody is just, like, horrified, it right? It was because the most this- tense I'd ever seen a room. Right, like, because this is, because it's not portrayed as Alice having a vision. It's portrayed as, like, this is what's happening. Like, we are completely going off script. We are just going to have everybody get fucking murdered. Um, 
it is an incredible, like, it is just a wild, wild choice to play this completely straight. And it's not a short sequence, right? It's not like a 30-second fake-out. It is a 10-minute full-on, like, they had to get stunt coordinators for this. <laughs> like, they had to, like, add, you know, hundreds of hours of CGI, presumably, for all the werewolf, like, double-team attacks. Like... For Tanya grabbing that guy's jaw and ripping his head off at the fucking joint? That's just a thing that happens in um, the King Kong movie from 2008. King Kong does the same thing to a T-Rex. And I was like, this this feels very Marvel to me. And I was like, what year did this come out? This came out in 2012, the same year as the Avengers. Like, this predates the MCU as an established thing. And it's just like, I can't believe they did this. It is wild to me that they did this. Why did they make this fight sequence, Layla? Who here, who is here for this fight sequence? I don't know, but I can tell you that the moment it, it, it... as soon as Dakota Fanning dies, uh, there's like a little bit more after that. And as soon as this fight is over, it smash cuts back to Alice holding Arrow's hand and you realize it's a fake out. We screamed. It was like, it was just a row of teenage girls that I went to high school with. Shout out all my friends from high school. Screaming. I'm not the kind of person who makes noise in a movie theater. You've sat with me. I'm very chill. Um, I've sat with you through one hellish movie, to be fair. And I was composed until the very end. (laughs) So, uh, like, for us to have made a noise in a movie theater, it was a lot. It had to take... We were... It was amazing. It was was just the unclenching that happened in that room. I'm I'm honestly surprised it wasn't more like a fucking uh, Szechuan sauce, like Rick and Morty situation. Like, I'm surprised theaters didn't get burned down. Like, I cannot imagine the what was happening going like it must have been just like people throwing shit through windows also this was like pre this predates like podcasts and youtube video essays so there wasn't like a huge online forum for these movies to get spoiled either and like the fandom was pretty pretty locked up about spoilers so you'd have to like really go digging out a forum and like look past spoiler tags so so the fake out was incredible like massive right um it's honestly right, one no, of my favorite notably, experiences. Um, you know, like in in a year earlier, right? Or not a year earlier. Uh, this is the era where somebody yells a Harry Potter spoiler out the window of their car, right? Like you have to actually like get like seek out spoilers. So like right. the fact that they, you know, do this fake. I, I don't. I I don't know if it's. I, I think it's disrespectful to the intended audience. I have no idea why they they made this choice, but like it is just an incredible artifact that this film exists, and I I. I don't know why. Do you have any idea why they did this? I I could not begin to tell you. It's a very expensive choice to make. Yeah. What, like, it didn't... I, it must have been more trouble than it was worth. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it was worth every penny, if you ask me. And I was it, the intended listen, audience. It was cool. It was a great fight sequence. It was awesome. Ed- Edward and Bella, like, do a cool, like, fucking roundhouse kick at some point. Like, they, they take on uh, what's-his-name together. It's cool. I mean, so... I I'm always I will always defend two things. I will always defend the fact that one companies don't understand that little kids love horror. Um so like I the shows like Owl House, Courage the Cowardly Dog, um, a bunch of like the scarier older um or moments with uh, movies with scary moments in them of like the the Disney Renaissance era and stuff like that. Kids love horror. They like to be scared. Um and uh, two, I think that extends to the fact that little girls like violence, just no one ever sells it to them. 
Um, and so I think that, I think it's a brilliant move to put this, like, incredible war scene, uh, in, in this, uh, movie for Teenage Girls. I think it's fantastic. I loved it. Um, okay, so I'm reading an Entertainment Weekly article, um, it's called Breaking Dawn Part 2, How the Battle Scene Was Born, uh, by Hilary Busis. um, but she's speaking to Melissa Rosenberg, who is a Twilight writer, um, and basically she and Stephanie Meyer just decided that they would have this, this fake out. They- they just said, like, oh, you know, who would be the most uh, shocking to kill? It'd be Carlisle. Um, but, like, then, you know, we'd have to kind of have every, make sure everybody has a moment. Uh, so Bed- Bella and Edward get to kill Arrow. Uh, and they just, you know, they want to make sure that they rip his head off. But, like, I the cast didn't find out about the battle scene until I had finished the script. Uh, it was many months later when they first got on, on set. So they didn't know. Oh, my God. Uh, so they did it truly just for the sake of faking people out. Oh, that is funny. I love that. I love that so much. See, and I think that's like a fun surprise when the cast gets to find out about a scene like that, like during a table read or something. Um, Wild. I would like to boo this trend of Marvel and apparently the Mario movie where actors okay. don't understand. Like, you are keeping scenes from actors have you read this thing where actors in the mario movie don't get to see what they're acting against they don't get the full scene they just get their lines i haven't seen that in uh the mario movie that's very stupid that the mario movie is doing this but i have heard for like star wars and marvel it's like oh we got to make sure that nobody knows what's happening and then the actors have to give like seven that's a waste of money that's a waste of time and it's dumb and it makes the craft worse um anyway so, uh, yeah, there's this fake out. His vision didn't happen. LOL, just kidding. And uh, Arrow rightfully is like, hmm, I sure would like to not die. Uh, the one vampire who snitched, so Tanya, she does. Uh, but everything else ends well. Uh, you know, snitches get stitches. You should, everyone should just know this. A, getting back into the problematique, uh, a half-naked, half-human, half-vampire adult baby from Brazil shows up wearing a native costume. It's weird and bad. It's really stupid. Why isn't he just wearing jeans? Yeah, just make him wear jeans, please. Uh, he they shows- also do this with the Amazonian vampires, which is, I mean, like, listen, maybe they are truly from, like, a tribe out there. Um, but, like, I don't know. It's a little much. Uh, yes. I feel like Rosalie would, or not Rosalie, maybe, but Esme would lend them a T-shirt for the cold Seattle winter, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, they're vampires. They're cold. That's all that's true. Uh, yeah, so uh, he shows up and says, Ronesme will stop aging when she turns seven and she'll just be fully mature as an adult. Sure. Whatever. Fucking whatever. <laughs> then there's a stupid montage where you see that despite the movie's protestations, the imprinting that Jacob had with Renesmee will turn romantic when she reaches maturity, which is gross and weird. He does say one very funny thing, which is he does ask Edward if he can call him dad, and Edward's like, absolutely not. <laughs> it's really, like, listen, the shit's already borked, like, you might as well make fun of it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we get the Christina Ricci, uh, love you for a thousand years. Perry. Uh, Sorry, Christina Perry, Christina Ricci, uh, star of one of my favorite films. Um, oh my God, Penelope. Uh, yes, uh, Christina. Sorry, we just said her name, Christina. Christina Perry. Perry, thank you. <laughs> Christina Perry's One Thousand Years plays. I swear to God, this montage was more purple in the theaters. I swear to God, it was more fan cammy, but I, I guess they toned it down for home release. Or again, I made up a cut in my head. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, my cousin walked down the aisle to this song. 
Yeah, it's good. Everyone it's cried. Nice. It was nice. Yeah, it's um, a nice game. Yeah, so uh, then you know, happily ever after, they make out in that flower field. It's good stuff. It's nice, you know. Like, I think we give Stephanie Meyer a lot of shit for this being a Mormon allegory, but like, I do kind of like the idea of turning vampirism into like an idealized state. It's like, no, you this, you actually do get your heavenly body. You are strong and powerful and get to live forever with the people you love. Like. You know, I think there's a lot of problems with the Mormon church and religion. Um, but like, if you're taking this completely at, in the best faith possible, it's like, it's kind of a nice fantasy. And I, I, I like it. It is, listen, we are, uh, it is possible to say that there are problematic elements of this franchise because there are. I will include the same donation links as I included last time. Uh, please support the Quileute tribe um, in their move away to higher ground um, if you have the means um but you know at the same time we could also praise it for being like genuinely a fun supernatural fantasy for girls um Mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that it's having a renaissance and people are taking it because i think the reason people started to hate it is because we entered that that like kind of cinema sins era for a while where everyone was taking everything too seriously it's just fun Right. I mean, like, that's the thing, right? Twilight suffered from an era where, you know, we are starting to see social media come up, right? So people are starting to be get incentivized to get into fights on the internet, um, right? We, we are entering into an era where people are, right, this is this is two years away from Gamergate, right? So there's, there's a, a segment of people online that are getting increasingly upset about women coming into their spaces and the things that women like and getting defensive about that. Um, so that's definitely an aspect to that, right? I, I think that there there's definitely, I don't want to say that there's a line between Twilight hate and Gamergate, but I would not be surprised if like people who are pro Gamergate, like also, you know, like, you know, there are a couple of people in Gamergate who like were vocally like anti-Twilight, like made content uh, shitting on Twilight. Right. I bet there is some sort of comparison to be drawn there. It's part of that era of backlash against right. an, an era of female-led sci-fi and fantasy properties like Twilight and the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we're entering a, an era of backlash right now against queer stuff, right? Um, you're getting – but more politically speaking, you're getting – it's like that domino meme like gamergate is one of the middle dominoes and mm-hmm. you know the current fucking legal or legal issues we're facing as a queer community are kind of one of the bigger dominoes mm-hmm. um but it's uh you know it's, it's an era of backlash and it'll even out again and then something else will progress and there'll be backlash again and always right it's just the ebb and flow that we live in. Um, I, I just, I want to talk about how Twilight really is just like the marker of a certain era, right? Like, I feel like Breaking Dawn Part 2, um, you know, Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows Part 2, Mocking uh, Jay Part 2, right? That is a 2011 to 2015, like, range. But, like, this was truly the end of a certain kind of YA, right. I think, right? I, I think this, there's certainly, like, right, there's there's talk about how Divergent, like, kind of truly ended that, that whole um like you know era of of storytelling but i also feel like with a whimper too not with a bang right right um you know just the whole franchise collapsed uh, under its own weight um but like i'm trying i i feel like right at the same time right homestuck ends in i want to say 2017 right like all, all of this like i feel like is kind of caught up in a way that we talked about media and had relationships and maybe it's just because like this is when i was leaving high school this is like when maybe I, maybe it's truly just nostalgia 
But like, I, I genuinely feel like there is a shift in the way we talked about media and the kinds of media that were being produced, like that ends around Twilight Hunger Games. And like now, I mean, I guess it's just the MCU takes over, right? Like if we were talking about monolithic American franchises, this is where the MCU starts to, you know, Avengers comes out in 2012. Um, that's this is where it re- rears its ugly head and we start getting the Disney calcification of everything. Um, they buy LucasArts in 2012, or Lucasfilms in 2012 also, I want to say. Um, sometime around there, right? Like this is this is truly like the last gasp we got of like various franchises before, you know, that we got the the superhero era that we are still stumbling towards it's i think the superhero era is is finally on its decline i think we are truly getting the the you know mcu is starting to collapse um but like it is wild to think that like this was kind of really the last bit before everything got got franchised and 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 monopolized yeah and i mean like if you think about it twilight right now what we're experiencing too in the in the zeitgeist at least of like cinema is there is no more middle-budget film. And Twilight was a middle-budget film that did exceedingly well and then became a big-budget finale. And so, like, we don't have those opportunities anymore for middle-budget things to grow. Um, And it sucks. I am... Listen, if I were to pick one big-budget franchise that I think should 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 get rights, it's the Fast franchise. Which is, again, this, like, unserious romp that you and i both love dearly so um you know it otherwise i'm i'm quite sick of um you know not the mcu itself but just how long it's gone on uh the the disney live action remakes the revivals right right? right. that's why you see the which on their own i don't think are all that bad but just collectively being hammered with them all at once in this weird nostalgia era is not all that fun um and that's why you have when you get movies like everything everywhere all at once from you know a24 that's why there's such a breath of fresh air because it's like finally cinema's trying something new again Mm -hmm. um but yeah it it really is you're, you're right it really is the end of an era um and uh, what an end. Like, truly, yeah. these movies fucking rule. There's Michael Sheen in these films. There is a couple of line deliveries from him that I just, I will never get over. Just him leaning into Renesmee and just going, Magnifico is everything <laughs> to me. And, like, you just don't get that kind of shit anymore, right? You get the, like, snarky, self-referential kind of stuff that I'm I'm really burnt out on. Um but yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I do have kind of a bold question to ask you, though, Aaron, that I was pondering while I was watching these today. Yes. Should there should should there be a Twilight musical? Oh, should Twilight be a musical? Or any of yeah, the whole thing make it five musicals. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a different question because I don't think Breaking Dawn should be a musical. I think there is room in the world for a Twilight musical. Um, I think it does have to consist entirely of emo band music from 2005 to 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have to be a jukebox musical in that style, but like I think it's ju- like this is a melodramatic enough franchise that it would kind of slot in really well. 
Well, because the music is basically a character in these films, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Bella's theme comes up, which is the, the song Edward writes for her, comes up quite a lot. And then these soundtracks fuck unequivocally. Uh, the sex, good. The sex scenes are set to Sleeping at Last, Who I Love. Uh, it's a good it's a good, uh, good song. Yeah. Turning Page is great. Uh, Sleeping at Last features very heavily on my writing playlists, which I think is very funny. My music mm-hmm. taste is still essentially twilight soundtrack um a jukebox musical fascinating yeah i think i would love to see like a flyleaf scored jukebox musical for twilight i think that would be the best and most appropriate venue okay that was my question thank you yep yep uh we've already done our marketing minute i do think we should have uh charlie and renesme solve crimes uh show um do you have... I don't think I have anything else for the marketing minute, though. No, I think... Uh, listen, buddy, I think we've d- we've really done the work here uh, for Twilight. Mm. Oh, you know what? You know what? No, we can actually close out on, because this might be news for some folks. Uh, fun fact, we found out last week that there will be two more Twilight books. Oh, fucking Christ, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, you know? I, I, don't I think either. franchise... I think stories should end. Yes. Like, listen, I get it. You have to chase that dollar, but like, Steph, you're you're a multimillionaire. Like, I don't know that you need to do this. I don't either, but I'm curious as to what she's going to do because apparently writing from Edward's perspective gave her anxiety, so it won't be the continued retelling of Twilight from Edward's perspective. Uh, which Midnight what if Sun it's Renesmee out. Jacob? <gasps> no. I'll die. I won't. I will, I, I, I will not. I'd be disappointed. I think I think Steph Stephanie Meyer probably knows better than to do that. Gorsh, I hope. I sure hope so. Um, but yes, there will be two more Twilight books. If that's news to you, congratulations. I love being the arbiter of fun news for folks. Um, but she is writing on I think she's working on some other stuff before that, so it's gonna be a while. Um, yeah, I mean that's Aaron, we've we've done it again. Uh, congratulations, you've You've seen the entire Twilight franchise now. Thank you for for doing this for me and also your wife. Mostly your wife, but also for me. Yeah, I think that our our marriage is stronger because of it. So, Great. thank you. You're so welcome. Um, Layla, when we are not um, strengthening uh, both my marriage and uh, our critical lens for the media of twenty the mid twenty tens. Um, where well, can we you be found could on the also internet? say strengthening our friendship, considering the fucking title of our podcast. Oh yeah, that is this is the friendship quest. Um, but <laughs> when we're not doing all that shit, uh, where can we be found <laughs> on the internet? You can find me at l e y l s e s on Twitter and Tumblr. Honestly, mostly Tumblr. I tweet maybe once every other day now. Um, yeah, I'm working a lot, uh, but I hope to get back to my webcomic soon. Uh, yeah, that's it. How about you? You can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL. My personal website is aavoit.com. Uh, I mostly talk about tabletop RPGs, but also sometimes health policy and sometimes just general writing stuff. Um, if you liked vampires, uh, I just put out a review of the vampire game Bloodbeam Badlands. It's like if there were vampires, but they were also cowboys, but also in the middle of the Fallout universe. Um, that's I did a review on that for my YouTube channel. That's aavoit at YouTube. Um check that out um it's not quite the same flavor as twilight but there are vampires and it's fun um i do another podcast with my friends uh michael and josh that's at the bible boys 
um, we will be talking about uh, another Battles BC uh, episode. We're going to we're gonna really uh, dig into the Exodus story in the next two weeks, which will be interesting. So if that appeals to you, check that out. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by the Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, what do we say to close out this episode of Mortified? Oh, does no one have vision? Not anymore. We'll see you all next week.